Okay, we are in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1. So this, this is the uh, first part, Matthew chapter 3, our first, first uh, part of it, reading from verse 1. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. And they were confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And as for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Okay, so in this portion, John the Baptist is introduced and he's coming and beginning to preach. Well, who was John the Baptist? He was a relative of Jesus, Mary's, uh, uh, it, it, it may well be her aunt, uh, Elizabeth who bore John the Baptist six months before Jesus was born. So John the Baptist was was quite a young man, and he was only six months older than Jesus when he started to preach. And it says that he was preaching, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea in verse 1, and his message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it gives a description of John, and it says, He had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt about his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. All right, so he lived in the wilderness. He came from the wilderness. He had a garment of camel's hair, leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And there is a, a tribute to, to John in Matthew chapter 11. And if you look in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus speaks quite highly of John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11... Reading from verse 7. And as these men were going away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who wear soft clothing are in king's palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there is not 
arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus said, among those who are born of woman, John the Baptist is the greatest. The greatest man who was ever born, Jesus says, is John the Baptist. He obviously felt a lot of John the Baptist. But he also says, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What we are in the spirit far supersedes what we are in the flesh. What John was in the flesh, the greatest man to have ever been born, is nothing compared to what we are in the spirit. What a man is in the spiritual realm far exceeds what he ever will be in the fleshly realm. John's message was this in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is a turning. Repentance means a complete turnaround. Where you stop, you turn around, and you go the other way. And that's what John the Baptist was preaching. He was preaching, repent, stop, turn around. Repentance is not remorse. Remorse means we feel bad for something we did. You will a lot of times find people who are remorseful. They will feel bad for what they did. And we may well feel bad for things that we've done or things that we've said. In fact, that happens to me all the time. Things that I say, things that I do that I feel bad about. But repentance is different. Repentance actually leads to confession. If you see in verse 6, And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they were confessing their sins. We stop, we confess our sins, we turn around, we go the other way. These things are coupled. Repentance and confession are coupled. They're acts that go together. And he was calling them to be baptized. Let me say, if you have never been baptized, you ought to be. There are not many things that are ceremonial, in a sense, that Jesus puts upon us. However, baptism is one of the things that we are called to do. Jesus himself was baptized in, in the same chapter, chapter, 13, uh, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 3 through 17, Jesus himself came for baptism. And people will say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Well, that's good. Baptism as a baby is not believer's baptism. You didn't believe anything when you were a baby. That was a baby dedication. That was something that your parents could proclaim over you. That was a dedication. I am dedicating you to the Lord. It says that Jesus said, don't keep the little children from being able to come to me. Jesus actually was, was, was quite open to that. And it says that he laid his hands on them and he blessed them. That is a dedication and it is a fine thing for parents to do. All of my children were dedicated at birth. We would bring them up to the front of the church and we would have the pastor pray over them and we would dedicate them to the Lord. That is different than baptism. Had they been sprinkled at that time, that is not a believer's baptism. That is part of a dedication. Believer's baptism, the scriptures say, you believe and you be baptized. That is believer's baptism. And some will say, well, what's the difference between submersion and sprinkling? There is no instance in scripture that I can find. If you can find it, let me know. Where people were sprinkled with water in baptism. They were coming, 
it says, to the Jordan River. And from all around, they were coming to the Jordan River. It would have been a lot more convenient to John, for John to just, you know, wet a sponge and go around in the city and do this. No, they were coming out to him at the Jordan. We are not told explicitly many things in Scripture. But if we say, okay, well, how is it done in Scripture? The way it was done is they went into the Jordan River and they were submersed. So this baptism by, by immersion is actually something that, that, uh, that is probably, if we're going to follow the scriptural method, is more scriptural. This whole term baptism comes from this dying industry where they, they would dunk things. But it was an act of obedience. From what I have seen, my own experience is that when believers, people who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and believe that He's risen from the dead, we are told in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that we ought to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised Him from the dead and we shall be saved. In baptism, it is a good time to confess that I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and go ahead and be baptized. My experience is that when believers resist baptism, there are other areas of disobedience in their lives that they are also resisting from confronting with the Lord. Baptism is a key thing that God has put before us. Believer's baptism. I believe and I am baptized. You say, well, what's the difference whether I get dunked underwater or not? What's the big difference? Because God calls us to that. Because every time in Scripture, what we see when people were saved, they went out and they got baptized. And there is never an example of just a sprinkling in that baptism. So if we want to follow the scriptural example, the scriptural example is they were going out to a river. And if you want to go to the Jordan River in Israel, go ahead. You can do that too. You can follow through on that if you want to. But it is a testimony. But other rivers were used in the Scriptures beyond just the Jordan River. So there were other bodies of water, and now we use these baptismals that, that, that allow you to stand in front of the church and do this. But it is a good thing to do. But John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Now let me explain to you the way this works. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said something quite intense over Peter. Peter was probably the most notable of the apostles that had walked with him, often taking the lead in many things. And he says in, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, we'll start reading in verse 16, Matthew 16, verse 16, Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. We're going to learn a lot in the coming weeks about why Jesus specifically told them not to tell people that he was the Christ. This actually was not the initial way. There was a change that occurred in Matthew chapter 13. But he says that I'm going to give you, Peter, the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. 
he proclaimed this upon Peter. And then if, you, if we turn now to the book of Acts, we're going to begin to see this mapped out. So if you look in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, so you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. Acts chapter 1, in verse 8, it says, But you will receive power, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. Look what he says. He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. John, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance, preparing them for the coming Lord. He, though, he says, though, in the last portion of what we had read in, in, in Matthew chapter 3, is that one is coming after me who's greater than me, namely Jesus, and he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus' baptism is different. It's not simply a baptism of repentance, but he is going to fill with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Look at what he says then to Peter. He says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he says, this is the pattern of how the preaching is going to go. It's going to start in Jerusalem, Judea. So Jerusalem is in the region of Judea, just like New York City is within New York State. So you get Jerusalem, it's part of this region of Judea, and then Samaria. Samaria was this, this area above Judea, this northern kingdom area, that had a mixture of, of people, that, that they were half Jews and half Gentile, they, they, they were mixed up people as far as racially. And then he says, then to the uttermost part of the earth. So in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon fell upon these people at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. In verse 4, you see, in Acts chapter 2, 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So you see that in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles. Where? In Jerusalem. The commandment from Jesus was that the first place you're going to preach is in Jerusalem. And Peter gets up and he starts preaching that day in Acts chapter 2. And if you look in verse, in verse 33, Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured forth His Spirit, which you both see and here. And now if you look in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent each one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, John never promised in his baptism the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit now in baptism was being poured out. He says, first of all, you've got to repent. How does a two-month-old baby repent? It is a step that we take as believers of repentance. That means I make a decision to agree with God that what I have done is wrong. And I make a decision to turn around and go the other way. To start following God's way. 
to agree with God that the way that I have been acting is wrong. And in this, I invite Jesus into my life and I submit myself to baptism as a public proclamation of who I am in Christ. And that's what he tells them to do. He says, repent each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Look, the gift of the Holy Spirit was very much coupled with this gift of salvation. And in fact, it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, if someone says, hey man, you really don't have the Holy Spirit, say, okay, well, Father, give me the Holy Spirit. You you can diffuse all of this very quickly. The Scripture clearly says that if we ask of Him, He will grant to us the Holy Spirit. You know, people have come into my life and they say, you know, you've got to receive the Holy Spirit. I said, Amen. You know, Father, grant me the Holy Spirit, I pray. And according to Luke chapter 11, verse 13, in my asking, I shall receive. And it diffuses everything. The Holy Spirit is deeply upon me. So you see, the preaching first went out in Jerusalem. Never was Peter needed again in that anyone could have preached the gospel in Jerusalem and the door was open for the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. But now look in Acts chapter 8. If you look in Acts chapter 8, this was right after the killing of Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr in the church. Stephen got up and he preached a message. After that message, they, 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 they took all these stones and they killed him. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Look what happened. God took the persecution and the killing of Stephen to scatter them throughout Judea and Samaria. Remember what he said in Acts chapter 1? Your ministry is going to start in Jerusalem, go to Judea, and then to Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth, or to all the world, some scriptures say, meaning the Gentile world. So it started in Jerusalem with the Jews, in Judea with the Jews, then in Samaria with people that were a mixed breed of people, and then to the entire Gentile world. But here he says, they were scattered. Now in verse 4, there there were those, in in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, therefore those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming Christ to them. So who is Philip? He's not one of the initial apostles. Because remember it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, Everyone was scattered except the apostles. The apostles remained in Jerusalem. But all the other believers were scattered. So you see what's happening is God is now taking the ministry and moving it beyond just those initial apostles. God knows what He's doing. He really does. He's got this well figured out. And so Philip goes and he starts preaching in Samaria. And now you look in verse 12 of Acts chapter 8. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Look what happened when they believed. They got baptized. 
Verse 13, and even Simon himself believed. This is Simon the magician, not Simon Peter the, the, the apostle. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued on with Philip. And he observed the signs with great miracles taking place, and he was constantly amazed. In verse 14, now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, for they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is kind of odd. I thought the Holy Spirit comes, comes upon us immediately when we believe that Jesus is the Christ and are willing to submit ourselves to baptism. But here, it says that the Holy Spirit didn't come upon them. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Peter preached the gospel in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit fell. Peter now goes to Samaria... He prays for them. Boom! The Holy Spirit falls upon them. The Gospel and the falling of the Holy Spirit is opened up in Samaria. Peter's never needed again after this. It was through Peter that the Holy Spirit opened up in Jerusalem. It was now through Peter that the Holy Spirit was opening up in Samaria. And once he did this, this was the only time that Peter was needed for the Holy Spirit to fall in Samaria. Never again was he needed in Samaria. Once he opened the door in Samaria, it was wide open. And then Philip goes out and he starts preaching to other people and the Holy Spirit starts falling on them. And now if you look in, 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 uh, in Acts chapter 9, God raises up Paul, the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9. Paul was the Apostle to who? Who was Paul the Apostle to? To the Gentiles. See in Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. He was primarily the apostle to the Gentiles. The first apostle to the Gentiles. And that's even how he characterized himself. But even though he was the apostle to the Gentiles, who had to open the door for the Holy Spirit to fall upon the Gentiles? Peter. Look in Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Peter goes and he preaches the first message to the Gentiles, to the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And in Acts chapter 10, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. And all the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Isn't that interesting? Peter goes and when he speaks to the Gentiles, they believe and what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on them. He is never again after this needed to open the door for the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. Peter, it was through Peter, Jesus said, said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He loosed on earth the preaching in Jerusalem. He loosed on earth the preaching in Samaria. He loosed on earth the preaching to the Gentiles. And in each case, the Holy Spirit visibly fell upon the people. And after that, the door was open. And anybody, Paul was preaching all the time. And the Holy Spirit was falling on these people. These were unique situations where Peter was needed to open the door. But now it had been opened to the Gentile world. 
and it remains wide open. You don't have to have a particular person or a particular group or anyone of a particular descendancy pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. The door's been opened. It has been opened. And if ever you doubt whether you have the Holy Spirit, remember, read Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And remember what it says in the epistle of James. We do not receive because we do not ask. The main reason we do not receive answers to prayer is because we simply do not ask. And so when someone's always crying, well, I never get any answers to prayer. Well, do you ever pray? Do you ever really pray? The door was open for the Holy Spirit to come. And then if you look in Acts chapter 11, verse 15 and 16, it says when Peter went back to Jerusalem, they were really upset. How dare you allow the Holy Spirit to fall on the Gentiles? And Peter says in Acts chapter 11, verse 15, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as He did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how He used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, the baptism that we go through is different than the baptism of, uh, that, that just John was doing. We repent and we are to be baptized, but what also opens the door for us is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And look in verse 44 of Acts chapter 10. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on those who were listening to the message. They didn't even ask for the Holy Spirit. It just hit them. They're just listening to the message and beginning to believe, and boom! You know, they're saying, well, you've got to ask. You've got to ask in this way. Well, here's an example. They didn't ask for anything. They're just listening to the message, and they start to believe, and bam, the Holy Spirit hits them. God does what He wants to do. You think you've got Him figured out? He does what He wants to do. Look in, in, in Acts chapter 19. Paul comes upon a group of people in Acts chapter 19. Verse 1, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with baptism of repentance telling people to believe in Him who was coming after Him, that is, Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying, and they were, all in about, they, they were in all about twelve men. So you see, he even came across some people that, that John the Baptist had baptized, and then went off and never heard much about Jesus. They just went off to Ephesus after that. And Paul comes across them and he says, he says uh, don't you have the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's, there's something missing in your life. They say, well, what's this Holy Spirit stuff you're talking about? And, he, and, and then he finds out they'd only been baptized in, in, into John's baptism. This is what John was preaching. But you see how the, the, the door was opened up because of John the Baptist. And this is what he was preaching. So turn back to Matthew chapter 1. This is this baptism that he's preaching about. 
Now look at the way John is. Look at the description of John. It says that he didn't have soft clothing. He lived in the wilderness. His clothing was, was a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey. I mean, this must have been somewhat unusual even in that day, or else they wouldn't have made particular mention of it. Now, it was certainly kosher food. They were allowed to eat insects, and, and I know that it sounds kind of gross to us, but there are other parts of the world where they eat insects. And in fact, um, you, you know, I can gross people out, but, but we eat a, a lot of strange things. So you think of a shrimp, a shrimp is a lot like an insect. It really is in many ways, and people just love their shrimp. But if you, if, if you kind of look at the anatomy of a shrimp, but in, in any case, this is what, Paul, this is what, 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 what the guy ate. He ate locusts and wild honey. And now in verse 7, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism. Now let me, let me just go up and mention in, in verse 5. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the, around the Jordan. I mean, this was a huge group of people. They were going to the Jordan River. So people were marching from Jerusalem to the Jordan River. And I don't know how far that is, but it's, it's a long journey. I mean, it's not, not around the block. I mean, it's a long walk to have to do this. And that whole region of Judea, there were a lot of people undergoing the baptism of John because they believed him indeed to be a prophet. And it says, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees, remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the ruling party, and they made up the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders started coming out for baptism. He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I mean, this isn't a very warm welcome. Can you imagine the religious leaders who you know, kind of think like, if anybody you know, is getting baptized, you know, we, we, he ought to welcome us. And he sees them. And he calls them a brood of vipers. I mean, this was a tough guy. John was really a tough guy. You know how John got imprisoned? He went to Herod Antipas, who was the son of King Herod. So King Herod died. His son, Antipas, was put in his place, so he's called Herod Antipas. He went to him and he said, you know, you are living with your brother's wife. And this ought not to be. I mean, this guy was pretty fearless, and he got thrown into prison. John's entire ministry was three years. Two of those years, he was in prison. So for only one year did he preach out in the open. And then after those two years, he had his, his head was cut off. Because this woman who, who, uh, 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 who, who Herod Antipas was, was living with, who was really his brother Philip's wife, didn't like John saying this sort of thing and had his head cut off. I mean, this was a pretty tough guy, really fearless. And he looks at the religious leaders and he says, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And then he says, If you're really repenting, there needs to be fruit in keeping with your repentance. Look what he says. Repentance leads to fruit. Repentance leads to fruit. 
He says, don't suppose you can say, well, we have Abraham as our father. In fact, the common understanding in that day, which is still the common understanding among many Jews, as it's talked about in the Talmud, is that Abraham stands in front of the gate of hell. And if there's any Jew that may somehow slip and may be going into that area, that Abraham will grab and save them and send them to the right place. That just because of their Jewishness, they will be saved. Paul makes it very clear. I mean, and John makes it very clear. Your Jewishness will not save you. Don't suppose that you can rely and say, well, we have Abraham as our father. And this is commonly done. Many people who think that, hey, I'm a Catholic, I'm okay, it's all, uh, it's all set for me. Or I'm a Baptist, I'm okay. Remember, if you're born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. You're born in a barn, it doesn't make you a horse. You're born in a Christian home, doesn't make you a Christian. You are never born a Christian. You are not. You are born a stinking sinner on your way to hell. That's how you and I are born. Everybody is born like that. We are born again into the kingdom of God. It is a new birth into the kingdom of God. And this is exactly what he's telling them. Jesus said, there has never been a greater man born of woman than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. What we are in the Spirit is worth so much more than what we are in the flesh. And for us to put pride in our heritage, and, you know, my father was such a... It means nothing. It means nothing in the eyes of God. In fact, it's a distraction. I was born, personally, I was born into a Jewish family. And for some reason, Christians think this is so neat. You know, you're a Jew, you're a Jew, you Let me just touch you. I mean... The Bible says, this is nothing. He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In fact, the amazing thing is that there's any Gentiles in the kingdom of heaven. If you look in the book of Acts, all there was was Jews coming to the Lord. It wasn't until years later when, when, when uh, uh, Peter went to preach in the house of Cornelius that the Gentiles started to come in. The amazing thing that as Jewish as the gospel is, and from where it started, in Jerusalem, preached for years only to the Jews, the amazing thing is that there's any Gentiles that have come into the kingdom. That's the amazing thing. Oh, you're a Gentile? Wow, let me touch you. That you should come into the kingdom of heaven. This is exactly what he says. You put your, your faith in your heritage. This is nothing. It has nothing to do with how spiritual your grandfather was, that your father was a pastor, that your mother was, you know, some great minister. It means nothing. Every one of us will stand before God on our own. And what did we do with God's Word? Were we too afraid because of our own stinking pride to get into the waters of baptism? You know, you want to talk about pride? Talk about folks who don't want to be baptized because, you know, I should get into that water. Look in, in, in verse 13 of, of Matthew chapter Chapter uh, 3. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. And after being baptized, Jesus came up 
immediately from the water. What do you mean he came up from the water? Well, obviously he wasn't sprinkled. You don't come up from sprinkling. He came up out of the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting upon him. And behold, a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. If Jesus could submit himself to baptism, to go into the water and be baptized like a common man, how much more you and I should submit to the waters of baptism. If you've never been baptized as a believer, knowing that you believe, you ought to be baptized. And on that day, make confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I believe that He's risen from the dead. And let all the heavenly hosts see your act of baptism. And if you struggle with something in your life, and you've never been baptized, you try being baptized as a believer. And begin to see new victory in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. That John the Baptist came preaching a profound message. And he said there should be fruit coming forth from your repentance. If you've truly repented, where's the fruit? That's what he told the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Father, I pray that you would keep us from the pride of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to think that we are something, to think that we can repent without bearing fruit as a testimony of that repentance. Father, thank you for the fearless message of that man. How he fearlessly proclaimed to the ruling party, to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, repent and be baptized, lest you be cut down and thrown into the fire. Father, thank you. And Lord, I pray that you would take these precious ones and lead them into areas of all obedience. And I lift them to you and ask your blessings to be upon them. In the name of Jesus. Amen.